After a season of controversy, the Michigan Wolverines win the program's third national championship with a 34-13 win over Washington, while in the FCS-ranked South Dakota State repeats as national champion with a blowout win against Montana. We're going to recap these games. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast. Ultimate College Football Podcast, providing national coverage of America's greatest sport. Join us for bi-weekly episodes throughout the season, and remember to subscribe and rate or review the show wherever you get your podcast. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at ultimatecfbpod at gmail.com or via Twitter at cfb underscore ultimate. Welcome back to the Ultimate College Football Podcast as the Michigan Wolverines have just won the national title going a perfect 15-0 and and capping it off with a victory over Washington and what was for most of the game a close and competitive matchup. The final score is a little deceiving. Uh, Michigan got a couple touchdowns late, uh, but also a game that was kind of oddly enough for a national championship game, not necessarily a super well-played game uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Michigan does end up winning and really to make it very simple uh, the Wolverines much better in the trenches both sides of the ball that's always very difficult to overcome and that along with just a great defensive performance all night is what won it for the Michigan Wolverines Michigan had a really hot first quarter uh, which is where they got the bulk of their points until a couple touchdowns late and it was the Michigan ground game that just came out firing that's what Michigan likes to do it's their identity so you knew that at Washington's going to get a bunch of this in this game. Could they respond? And early on, it looked like it might just be a blowout from the get-go because Washington had no answer for this Michigan ground attack. Dylan Edwards had two explosive touchdown runs, and this Michigan offense was just driving the ball uh, just down the field, running the ball with a very simple game plan. Uh, not necessarily everything was actually simple. Sheryl Moore did a good job of mixing up a lot of different looks and formations, but they were being very consistent running the football with their bevy of backs and uh, offensive line for Michigan was taking over. Washington did not do a good job with their run fits and we saw the Wolverines have a bunch of success. I thought especially in the second quarter, Jerome Moore uh, threw the ball a little bit more than he should have and this is something you see all the time of offensive coordinators where they feel the need to be balanced and so they'll sometimes despite having a lot of success either through the air or on the ground they will mix it up a bit uh, almost just kind of for the sake of I thought Michigan did that a little bit in the second quarter and that helped I think Washington kind of get their feet under them they were really backpedaling their defense was really struggling but they did a good job uh, stopping Michigan through the air, especially on some third and shorts that Sharon Moore decided to throw on. One in particular that comes to mind was right before halftime, there was either a fourth and three or fourth and two just in Washington territory. Conventional wisdom would tell you to punt it. I actually liked Harbaugh going for it here if Washington uh, gave up a touchdown and they were down at time, I believe, 17 to three. Michigan basically puts this one away almost for halftime. But I would like to see the run. Maybe they don't get it, uh, but they throw it. Uh, it falls incomplete, and Washington able to drive down the field score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, uh, we have a seven-point game going into the locker room, and again, had been dominated by the Wolverines. And we saw 
The third quarter then be very competitive as well, very defensive battle. Washington's defense was night and day different in the second half. Did a much better job with their run fits. Uh, but I think really the biggest story throughout the night was that Michigan's defense, which has been great all season long, they were just stellar. And this Washington offense has just been so explosive, and they've always been the best, the biggest of moments. They could never generate that big play. There's a few reasons for this. Uh, mainly, just Michigan played an excellent game. Uh, their offensive backs, namely Will Johnson and Mikey Stanistrow in particular, uh, came up with some huge plays, both have an interception in the second half, and uh, that group as a whole did a great job of blanketing a really great receiver core for Washington. And the defensive pass rush really impacted the game. They got some pressure on uh, Michael Penix, even though they didn't get a lot of sacks in this game. They really affected uh, the passing game. Penix didn't have time to hit some of those deep balls, and they kind of helped Penix not play a great game. This is one of the worst games I've seen Penix play, which obviously timing-wise could not have been worse. They needed their passing game to really come through. And Penix was definitely off tonight. He had some misses, and he just was put in a difficult situation at times, having uh, to throw the ball sooner than he needed. And you could tell that just internal clock got sped up, and that's because of this Michigan defensive front that had a dominant performance in the Rose Bowl against Alabama, and they continue that in the national championship. So the defensive backfield and the pass rush of Michigan in particular, great defense across the board, great tackling, but that really slowed down and kind of shut down this Washington offense. And then more than anything, maybe kind of got them out of sync. They just couldn't get everyone on the same page. And timing is a really big deal in these passing offenses. And that is one of the weaknesses uh, or criticisms of a more pass-happy offense. They say defensive run game travel sometimes the passing game doesn't. Who knows if that's actually true, especially in today's game, but there's no doubt uh, that this Washington offense just wasn't connecting. Either there were some uh, surprising drops that you rarely see Washington miss on, or you saw Penix uh, throw some inaccurate balls, and Washington's offensive line, which has been stellar all year, really had their hands full in this game. And uh, Michigan, I should make note of this, I'm not in any way going to put uh, the officiating as the reason why Michigan won, but it uh, certainly didn't hurt Michigan any, let's say it that way. Uh, Michigan's defensive backs, very aggressive, the officials let them get away quite a bit, and I thought at times a little bit too much, and uh, there was in particular a hold on the right tackle for Washington in the second half where Washington had the ball down by seven, just got a big play to Aduze. One of the first ones of the day on a third down, and it got called back with a hold. Uh, Washington punted, and then Michigan ended up scoring the touchdown to make it a two-possession game. So that was a really big sequence. At the end of the day, Michigan definitely outplayed Washington uh, for 60 minutes and really dominant in that first half and then late in the fourth corner, which is kind of the Michigan MO. They're going to hit you with body blows, and eventually they're going to be the stronger team at the end. And that was the case here came out really fast, got a big lead considering how the game ended up going, 
and then in the fourth quarter made those plays needed to win offensively despite being really quiet in the second and third quarter but the defense was great throughout and I think a Jim Harbaugh national championship that's pretty fitting and it's just totally the DNA of Michigan as a program historically as well as under Harbaugh if you remember uh, back when Harbaugh was facing a lot of criticisms when he uh, couldn't beat Ohio State couldn't win the Big Ten there were a lot of people saying that Michigan's offense was too archaic you need to modernize the style of football this doesn't cut it in today's world and uh, he has been proving people wrong since then and obviously uh, the capstone is uh, this national championship. It was totally a Jim Harbaugh built team, great in the trenches, great defensively, a run game, and uh, that ended up delivering a perfect season and the program's third national championship. And Jim Harbaugh, despite you know Bo being such a uh, you know hallowed figure in Ann Arbor, he now has as many national championships as any other. Michigan head coach. Uh, obviously, I think Fielding Yost is, you know, the standard bearer. Uh, he kind of built Michigan into the program that you really think of, you know, at the turn of the century, had some of the best uh, teams for their era, at least in college football. Uh, but uh, really a great legacy here that Harbaugh has built. And, uh, you know, the highlight right here, winning the national championship. First Big Ten team to win the national championship outside of Ohio State's two in 02 and 2014 in the 21st century. And he followed a mold, really both teams followed a mold that was very unconventional. And a couple years ago, many people would have said it wasn't possible. Only two top 10 recruiting classes went into uh, this national championship team. Uh, Michigan just at 52% according to the blue chip ratio. It's one of the lowest blue chip ratio teams to win the national title. Uh, but speaks to how good this staff has been at identifying talent, either through recruiting or the portal, and then developing it. It's a really great job by a great staff collectively. And Michigan, with one of the most experienced teams in the nation, uh, they reach the mountaintop here in 2023. And whenever this team was challenged, they always answered the bell for a lot of years. Hard to tell how good this Michigan team was. They were pretty dominant, but they had a really weak schedule until November. Uh, but in their biggest competition, and this was all after the whole sign-stealing scandal became uncovered. So regardless of what Michigan was doing, you know, uh, no past couple of years or even earlier this season, uh, that had nothing to do with their performance against teams like Penn State, Ohio State, and then, you know, the postseason Iowa and the Big Ten Championship game in the playoff against Alabama and Washington. So if there were still any doubters for the Wolverines, those have been silenced. A great, uh, you know, last couple months in particular as the schedule heated up and a uh, really special moment for this proud program uh, to get uh, their third national title and of course all eyes are going to move towards Jim Harbaugh who the last two seasons has really publicly flirted with the NFL and have he actually had gotten uh, a job offer likely would have taken it uh, he of course still remained at Michigan he now wins the national championship and all really throughout the offseason and this season there have been a lot of speculation that this would be Harbaugh's last year. If he does return, it's very possible 
that he could face some suspension time next season, despite missing six games this year uh, due to suspensions uh, that could still ramp up next year with some of the NCAA issues that are lingering over the program. That's, of course, TBD, uh, so who knows how that's going to play out. But with Harbaugh's success, both in college, but especially the NFL, he's a very attractive candidate and uh, very possible that this was Harbaugh's last game for the Wolverines. If it is, it certainly was a heck of a way to go out and we'd see who they would target. I would think that Sharon Moore is probably the most likely candidate, but who knows? Um, you know, some people even said that Kaylin DeBoer might be one of their top, uh, you know, targets. But, uh, you know, that's way too early to speculate. The job isn't even open at this point. Maybe Harbaugh does return. And for Colts football's sake, I hope he does. I think he's a very interesting figure. And uh, just uh, to make Colts football as interesting as it can be, hopefully he does stick around. And uh, just one last note on Harbaugh. You know, kind of going back to what it took to reach this pinnacle. Uh, you know, he he was hired back uh, in 2015. That was his first season in Ann Arbor, and of course, it took him a while to reach the success that many envisioned when he was hired. Uh, but sometimes it does really take a long time. Uh, you know, I think maybe the best example is Tom Osborne, who of course is winning at a really high level early on. But he was hired in 1973, and he didn't win his first national championship until 1994. Uh, so even for some of the greatest coaches, it's really difficult to win a national championship. It can take a lot of time, and uh, Harbaugh does finally get it done. Uh, so truly just a fantastic season, and Wolverines reign supreme in 2023. We're going to finish up with the FCS championship game, which happened a day earlier. South Dakota State was a big favorite, and they ended up defeating Montana uh, 23-3. to It was a really close first half. Jack Rapids only led it 7-3 to at halftime. Pretty sloppy uh, first half, uh, but the Jack Rabbit defense was stellar throughout. Came up with some big stops the first half that would have maybe made it a more interesting game uh, but they really took control in the second half and it was really the story of South Dakota State season hard to have a better season undefeated and pretty much dominated every team that they played the only games that were really close was the Montana State game way back in early September which came down to the final play then Villanova uh, put up a very respectable performance in the postseason. But outside of that, South Dakota State played a really tough schedule, and they pretty much destroyed everyone. Uh, one of the best national championship runs you will ever see. And uh, Jackrabbits, they are the new standard bearer in the FCS going back-to-back. -back. They had decisive championship game uh, performances uh, both seasons. And we'll see if someone can wrestle Jackrabbits away uh, from the mountaintop. Obviously, North Dakota State's always a team you look at. They are undergoing head coaching change, uh, but the Bison have been able to win national championships with their last three head coaches. So obviously, you know, the Bison aren't going anywhere. But for now, SDSU has overtaken their rivals to the north, and we'll see some other teams can uh, maybe win a title as well. Both Montana teams have played in national championships, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, but a lot of the other contenders have actually moved on to the FBS ranks, teams like Sam Houston, uh, James Madison, even Jacksonville State, if you want to throw them in the mix. They did play in a championship game within the last decade. Uh, so uh, we'll see if maybe some other teams can maybe make a move. Uh, right now, the power in FCS does seem to be, uh, you know, in the Dakotas and maybe a little bit westward as well. But right now, South Dakota State, they are the 
clear number one team in the FCS, and they had a fitting performance uh, to clinch that title. So that will do it uh, for our national championship game recaps. I don't think there's really a lot more to add, but certainly congratulations to those two teams, Michigan and South Dakota State. Uh, two remarkable, perfect seasons, going undefeated and winning the national championships. And uh, that puts a end to the 2023 season, a really entertaining and exciting season. And uh, we hope that 2024, which is the start of a new era, you know, these conference realignment moves, they take uh, effect next year. We've got the 12-team playoff coming. It is truly a new era for college football. We, of course, are excited uh, to see it kick off again in late August. So we're going to more than likely be back with you over the summer to give you previews of all of the FBS conferences. And then, of course, once the season kicks off, our typical routine of weekend previews and then recaps. And if there is anything uh, major that does come up in the off season, we, of course, will be there to address it, uh, but uh, most likely we will be back with consistent episodes this summer. So as always, thank you for listening. We're very appreciative of you uh, taking the time to listen to the podcast, and we do hope that you stick with us uh, in the future as uh, we will be back here for 2024. And with that, that will bring the 2023 college football season to an end. And uh, thank you for listening. Let's hope next year is just as good. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast.